And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we begin a Tuesday, Gary, how are you? Well, I'll, uh, we'll start with this. All right. All right. Let, let's start with this. As, uh, if you buy a car, you are expected to pay the monthly payments. If you buy a home, you are expected to pay the mortgage every month. Do we have to go any further as she's talking about the debt ceiling? Do we have to go any further? The Biden administration actually saying that you need to pay your debts? The Biden administration after the whole... Uh, college loan that somebody else should pay it the Biden administration mentioning mortgages <laughs> when they're saying that you shouldn't have to pay and be responsible for your own credit rating and somebody else with a better credit rating who has acted more responsibly should be paying part of your debt we're being lectured by the Biden administration and Corrine John Pierre and that whole thing with the uh the mortgage costs on the mortgage fees just started May 1st. Yeah. I mean, zero self-awareness. Zero self-awareness. You must pay your debts. Uh, what do we know about the president and uh, college loans? What are, uh, can, can you answer that? I would, wow, I'd tear it to pieces. Excuse me, I, as a former bill collector, I know that it is be- since you're making the case about people individual people well then the worst thing that you can possibly do you only do it temporarily in an emergency and that is pay off the interest and, on a loan yeah. you pay the principal off it is responsible to pay the principal off we're not paying any principal off i would absolutely destroy her i'm sorry but she's just too easy pickings uh, <laughs> on the intellectual scale where and with no self-awareness in there where you could just destroy her argument every single day and biden is fighting to increase the debt yes higher than what the gop wants yes if she were if biden's position were you know this is in the 
um, strange universe, multiverse situation where everything is backwards. If Biden was fighting for a lower debt ceiling, then at least in that situation, I could say, okay, yeah, the GOP's wanting to raise the debt ceiling even higher. He's fighting right now to increase the debt further by raising the debt ceiling, or has he said yet? I haven't heard him say, like Obama said, well, just because we raise the debt ceiling doesn't mean we're actually going to increase the debt. But we did. But we did yes, Obama. multiple times since then. And guess what? Obama was lying to you at yes, that time. he was. Just ludicrous. I just, you, you must know. pay your... De- Don't you lecture me. I know. It's just amazing. Completely irresponsible spending from this administration oh, to the point where gosh. everybody is feeling it in the inflation. Yeah. Everybody feels the irresponsibility of this administration. Right. Everyone, every single day, because I don't care how rich you are, you, you may say it doesn't affect me as much. You feel it. You see it. You notice it. Yeah. Everybody does. Right. Because if you're a billionaire and you're buying big things, and you were going to buy that big thing two years ago. That big thing is going to cost a lot more today. Yeah. Whether you're building a company, whether you're building a building, everything costs more. But for this, for Kareem Jean Pierre to sit there and lecture us on fiscal responsibility and paying your own debt That's after rich. everything that she has promoted from that podium is a total lack of self-awareness. It really is. By the way, I do like the number of people who wrote to me yesterday going on the reparations from California, the yeah. $200 million, uh, per eligible recipient. I, I got a number of uh, communications in saying, $360 trillion? The My favorite was $360 trillion? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Can't like, stop laughing. This is this is just you know it's absolutely absolutely insane. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, that's why uh, Biden's numbers are so low. People look at it and go, absolutely insane. That's why we've said that from the very very beginning. Because you know it's um, you uh, have heard. Well, Trump can't beat. Uh, uh, Trump can't beat uh, uh, Biden. Yeah, that's that's what the we've told you. That's what the Democrats believe. I'm telling you right now, the Democrats are wondering whether uh, <clears throat> that's actually true or not. We've always said the great wild card in this mm-hmm. is uh, Biden. Yeah, it's Biden and the Democrats because everything that they promote is pure insanity, and it's affecting people. We've gone from the abstract to the reality. So I don't make predictions for 2024 because I don't know. I have not been in this. The only time I've been in this situation where I'm observing what's going on in government, I'm Mm. not creating the inflation or any of the problems. I just comment on them. Yeah, it's not it's not my fault. We don't secretly have that kind of power. Right. the, the, The only time where we were viewed weak on foreign policy and weak on the the economy and economic growth was uh, Reagan Carter. Yeah, 
Right. And you saw what happened in that one. I mean, that was one of the biggest, you know, landslides in in uh, in American history. Mm-hmm. Will will it repeat now? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you would think that it would. Mm-hmm. It it's going to affect uh, you know, it's going to it's going to affect everybody and their decision. It does every day when they go to the polls. Yeah. And we even we yeah. just we just had local elections and for the city council it's like okay fiscally what are they thinking you know what's going on here right right and it's pretty tough to figure out because you know we have in Texas we have the nonpartisan races yeah you know, yeah where you right. don't actually put down a political party so mm-hmm. to find is pulling teeth to find out specifically what they think on the issue because every council person puts out well I'm here for economic growth and the well-being and a great quality of life and mm. it's like that means nothing to I'm, me <laughs> I'm against bad things <laughs> and <laughs> I will fight for you for good, good things good things right exactly and it's just like no no no, no. I, I need I need more that you have to you have to dig to find yeah, out what they right. really believe right because they're running and I'm sure if you're liberal right now you're running you know, on that kind of, I'm for all good things, and I'm against bad things. Yeah. Please vote for me. Right. No, I mean, there was somebody in my neighborhood that was running for local office, and they live on my block, and they were having a, it appeared to be a fundraiser. I, I actually didn't ask them, but I, I, I went by a little bit later, and they were kind of wrapping up what was going on. And so, you know, I said, uh how's the campaign going? And they were, oh, it's going great. The things that I saw that I noticed before I had gone over there, walked over there, made me feel like they were liberal, which would not be, you know, uh, out of the, you know, completely uh, out of the norm in in my neighborhood. And so I was going to ask them a bunch of questions, but then uh, somebody else had pulled up and they started talking to them. They're conservative. And, you know, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't, on these, on those local campaigns, we just had a, uh, local elections here, uh, in North Texas this past, uh, weekend culminated early voting was going on before that, but they don't tell you that you really have to kind of dig for that. And, you know, you look at the presidential elections, where we are right now, and I think you hit it. This is all new territory. Now, every election cycle technically is all new territory. And I think we've seen this for the past two or three election cycles, presidential election cycles, that history doesn't necessarily apply to the dynamics of this election. Now, a lot of it does. Economy is everything. I mean, if inflation doesn't get tamed and we still have high interest rates and we have stagflation, however you want to define that, and prices are still high and people are going through it, or we hit in, we get into a recession where people are getting laid off, that's going to matter. That's going to have a, a some kind of impact. But the, the crazier things get, I don't know where it is. I don't know if Trump, you know, Trump said in, what was it, 2016? I could murder somebody on the street, you'd still elect me? Mm -hmm. We could be in that situation where Trump goes on a, you know, just a a total rampage on the debate stage or or on the road at rallies or whatever, and Biden goes into the basement and tries to recreate what he did in 2020, and Trump wins in a landslide. I mean, I have no idea. 
got to get through the GOP primary first. Right, but I, I will I will say this: never in my life, not even Reagan uh, Carter, have I ever seen the differences in a political party that you know in the political parties where you look at it and you say, "Wow." You know, because you talk about everything in your own self-interest. People mm-hmm. are, you know, your economy. It's like the Biden administration's big, big mistake is they're not viewing inflation as part of the economy. Right. Well, the economy right. is great because people are employed. No, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they do understand. They just don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. That your own economy is what matters. Yeah. Your own economy. And right. so you can be, as many people are, working a job and a half for two jobs and in your mind, the economy sucks because you've got to work two jobs and you're still struggling to make it. Yeah. Because inflation is just killing you. Right. And yeah. and so this is this is the first election in my lifetime where all the major issues now are no longer abstract. And what I what we mean by that in case and we've talked about this for a significant period of time, a couple of years, that um because even in, in leading up to 2018 and 2020, it was still the same thing. I mean, this is about, and even 2022, you know, uh, where it was like the Republicans underperformed. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, when will the public finally look and say, look, yeah, the Republican Party is, I, I mean, independents or even some Democrats, Republican Party is flawed, but my God, the Democrats are insane. And now it's affecting me in every aspect of my life. And I was seeing, I saw Mark Penn, the pollster today on Fox News. Democrat poster, mm. Clinton poster, actually, is what mm. he's known for. Yeah, yeah. And he said Biden's numbers tanked because he announced he was running. We were talking about I, it. We I talking guess about the, I didn't, yeah. have the, I didn't yeah. put the correlation together. I, I didn't. Yeah. They, wow. He goes, That's interesting. And Because you and I were saying, is it because we were talking about this the other day? Because we're just so issue-oriented that right. at times we forget about the right. politics of it. Right. And when Mark Penn said that, yes, I'm like, well, duh. It's like, okay. No, he's was a, so obvious. I don't know how we missed it. I know. It's, it's sometimes because, well, I, you I'll miss tell the you. simplest things. Here, here's what I would tell you. If you and I had just thrown that on the table going back and forth going, yeah, maybe it was because he announced I still would go, I don't know. Yeah. But if a pollster says it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I'm curious. Now I'm like, okay. Because you, you and I thing. are thinking the issues. We're thinking, okay, inflation's yeah. starting to hit really bad. The money's running out. Right. The government money isn't there uh, uh, anymore. Cars are skyrocketing in prices. Mortgages are sky. You yeah. know, we're just yeah. thinking everything is issue-related. Right. And it was like, well, no, the big thing that really drove his his loss of numbers. And he said, it's all Democrats. All Democrats. The the tanking of the numbers, you know, where he went down to thirty six percent, is all Democrats saying no. We don't want him to run. Yeah, it's not independents. It's not Republicans. They've remained consistent. It's Democrats saying, God no. Did they have it built in their? They must have. That this is this is what it spells out. They had it in their mind. Look, you know, in twenty twenty, we just need you to beat Trump, and then after that, okay. Uh, we're just going to get through. We just need him to get through COVID. You know, he can just, you know, mm-hmm. they can, the puppet masters and on Capitol Hill, you know, Chuck and Nancy can, you know, steer everything in his direction, steer him on, on COVID and everything else. And then we're done with him. Or, and, or, uh, yeah, he'll probably retire before running for a second term. 
and move on. They had already built this in their mind that, yeah, yeah, he won't be able to make it through his first term without saying, yeah, sorry, I got to move on. And he doesn't. He announces, wow. <laughs> and his numbers tank because of Democrats. 86690 Red Eye. Logging miles during the hot summer months can put a serious strain on you and your truck's health. Did you know pollutants and allergens in the air outside can enter your cab through the HVAC system without you even cracking a window? That's why it's important to check those cabin air filters. Inhaling dirty and polluted air can cause distress if you suffer from allergies or a respiratory illness. Not to mention the distraction dirty cabin air filters can cause by blocking proper airflow to your AC system when you need it most. Breathe easy when the air in your cab is fresh. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. You know what uh, shocked me a little bit uh, yesterday was looking at some of the gas prices around where I live that have dropped now. I th- uh, you know below I think two ninety. Yeah, yeah. I paid two eighty five on Saturday. Yeah, and and uh, when you when you look at it, when I and I said, okay, what's the reason for it? And there's fears for a recession. But when I saw that gas demand decreased nine hundred thousand barrels a day. Uh, from the previous week, AAA reported decrease from 9.51 million barrels to 8.62. Like, wow, that's a huge drop in a week. Yeah. And they say it's, you know, the pre-driving season lull beginning of uh, of uh, of May, because that's what it would have been, end of right. April, beginning of, uh, of, of May. And mm-hmm. now we're getting to the point where things will start, you know, moving again, Memorial Day, right around. Memorial Day, good gosh. Good gosh. Um, Memorial Day weekend uh, starts two weeks from this Friday. Mm-hmm. Wow, we're, we're almost to, to summer, and then you know college graduation starting now, mm-hmm. uh, and then we get into you know uh, that season. But when I when I saw that, I went, "Wow, that's quite a drop." Yeah, and and again, I don't have don't have the history in front of me, but you know that's a ten percent drop in one week. Yeah, and yeah. So that was even more than a ten percent drop. Eh, about a ten percent drop, a little over ten percent. Yeah, that's uh, travel will start ramping up here uh, next week as you have uh, you know parents that have kids in college. Uh, if they're going to travel either for graduation or coming home between semesters or whatever it might be, but that's going to be you know interesting to watch summer over summer on consumption. Um. I have to go back and, and look uh, at the average price for last year. But, you know, it's not just about the price of the gasoline. I mean, that's a huge part of it, but it's also about the price of everything else. Oh, yeah. You know, when you're trying to make ends meet, I mean, that's one thing that you sometimes have to sacrifice. You can't afford to get there. You can't afford to be. So instead of maybe driving to a... a a nephew's graduation or something like that, you send a card. 
I mean, those are the that's what you're that's what you're into right now. I mean, even if you're only driving a round trip of a few hundred miles, which people do all the time, mm-hmm. you're still talking about, you know, probably on the average, maybe what, 30, 40 bucks in gas, whatever, then you're going to have to eat, you're going to have to have lodging and all of this. You're trying to work out your bills right now. That added expense often is just not going to happen. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. We were talking about uh, inflation there and, and, uh, and gasoline prices coming down, but just uh, talking about the expense of, uh, of, of certain things. And uh, uh, I've, an article here in the Washington Post, new cars, once part of the American dream, now out of reach for many. Yeah, the average cost of a vehicle right now, I think, is like seven hundred and fifty-four dollars a month. The average payment. The average the cost. Average payment on a car. Wow. That okay. That's just the monthly payment on the car. That's not the insurance. No. It's a monthly payment on the car. Not the the insurance. There's a National Review article the other day was talking about the fact that, uh, you know, the number of young people that have licenses significantly down from 40 years ago. Uh, My oldest grandchild will turn 18 next month. She just got her first car. 
uh, we were able to help her find a really good one. And she, you know, she's driving a lot more than she has since she got her license. But it's primarily school. Uh, she's going now. She graduated early. She's going now to a community college. Um, so it's going to school, which is close by, and going to work and back. Same. That's what it was for us. You know, and the thing is, is that ultimately she would rather not drive. She would rather not. I said, okay, in your mind, when you become an adult, you know, what do you see your scenario as? Well, just like it is now, she's actually, she lives within walking distance of work. It's more convenient, obviously, if it's pouring down rain, she can just hop in the car and drive the few blocks to work. She's not really within walking distance of the community college. But growing up in small towns, for us, it wasn't like that. I mean, you would often have to drive 10, 12 miles to get somewhere. If you're, you're going to go to the other side of town mm-hmm. or if you lived outside of town. So the car was actually necessary. Now with, I mean, you know, public transportation isn't really in their mindset. If you say public transportation, my, my teenage grandchildren would say, uh, no, Uber. I would rather pay for the Uber. Um, and so they've lived in a big city long enough. They were born here. So, you know, this is something that I think going forward, you're probably not going to have car ownership at the rate that you have it now. I think it will I think it will continue to decline in major metro areas and it will be exactly when you look at it like the the ban on gas powered vehicles is insane. You go to these rural areas and I was reading an article the other day that uh, of the states that are trying to follow in the footsteps of California and there's a handful of states that are moving in that direction. You go to these rural areas. What do you expect? You're not going to, you know, this is where they have to go to the uh, uh, the uh, federal government and say, well, we need the, the handouts to uh, build the charging stations and these states. And it's a cash drain. It's going to be, it is going to be a cash drain, this move to EVs. It is consistently going to be a cash drain. We are not making a more efficient move. We're making this out of this uh, under under the guise of doing something for the economy or, or for the environment. And it is not going to be that. The mining and everything else has not been. We're going right back to the ethanol thing, to the beginning of the ethanol. When you look at the the building of the cars, the building of the infrastructure, the maintenance of the cars, the maintenance of the infrastructure of what it would require to do that transition in the way that they want to do it with the technology where it is today, and it won't advance much between now and 2035. We can't get there. Well, you know, you mentioned the ethanol. I think we can update it now to gas stoves. Yeah, I saw another. Yeah, an, gas, I, right. I saw another analysis in the New York Post yesterday stating exactly what we have been stating that to 
get rid of gasolines or good gasoline to get rid of natural gasoline stoves. Mm. Well, <laughs> well, that might cause some problem. Yeah, gasoline right. stoves. Yeah. Boom. Uh, uh, to ban natural gas stoves means you are because if if you're afraid, if you're afraid, and the incredible thing is the reason that the United States was able to drop our carbon output was because of natu- natural gas. Where no other European country that was in one of the uh, you know the uh, the the UN the Kyoto Protocol or mm-hmm. whatever the latest one was, uh, you know the reason the United States dropped our carbon output was because of natural gas. Mm-hmm. And so the one thing that has worked, they want to get rid of. But just like ethanol, the same thing with getting rid of natural gas stoves because you're going to be using natural gas generators yeah. to create right. the electricity. It's much more inefficient to actually... Uh, have, you're, you're going to create, by their own standard, more global warming because... In order to produce the electricity, you've got to ship it through the grid, and they have found out the resistance of the grid to electricity where you lose efficiency all the way through. Right. It makes it so you actually will use more natural gas than if you actually just had the natural gas stoves. Right. So it does the opposite of what is intended, but it doesn't matter because it fits a narrative that is insane. Right. That is the opposite. It's like a Seinfeld episode. They're doing the opposite of what they should be doing. Well, you know, this is this is the thing. This is the insanity over and over again. And and ultimately, the the goal is to nationalize energy all across the board. Right. Um, break the current system that we're in and nationalize it. You know, it's interesting uh, talking to my granddaughter. I said, if you weren't getting ready, because she's you know looking forward at some point of moving out of her mom's home um and i said if you were weren't at this age would you have bought your car and she said no because the two classes she's taking she could take online she insists on going there and she's got a car she wants to practice driving but she said the ownership of the car i mean we're going over expenses i put some gasoline in her car the other day you know, and we were going over some things and, and just talking in general, you know. And she wants her independence, but she's learning, of course, what that independence costs. When you and I, when, when you know, many moons ago, when we turned 15 back, back in the day, we couldn't wait to get out and get our learner's permit. And then a ton of kids that I knew had their hardship exemption. And they got their full-on license at 15. And when we started driving, we couldn't wait to build that independence at 16. And we would work as hard as we needed to in order to make that happen. Yep. And at least in the case of my, you know, it's anecdotal, I know that. But in the case of my granddaughters, there is no big hurry at all. And the reason is, is because it's cost prohibitive. It is, I mean, what you have to earn now in order just to buy the gasoline in for the short trips, just to make uh, what little car payment they have, if they have a car payment. Insurance, which you're going to have, even if you pay cash for the car. 
And and she did. She was able to, you know, they've been very good about saving because they didn't own cars. Her sisters uh, will be, you know, are, are getting to the age now of deciding whether or not they want a car, what, what they're going to do. They're working. And they're, they're uh, you know, one step below her, a couple of years younger, and they're twins. They don't have any desire to own a car at this point. None. They yeah. have because they built their savings. They don't want to see that gone based on the cost of owning and operating a vehicle. Yeah, and and I remember uh, in, you know, my parents' house, it was requ- there were two things that were required. Now, when we were growing up, they didn't have hardship license in New York. You got it when you right, were, yeah. you got your permit. Yeah, a lot and of I, states didn't. And and I got my permit the day I turned 16. Right. But it was required in my house. There wasn't a choice. There were two things. Oh, you had to learn. Yeah. There were, there were yeah. two things that you had no choice in my house. Right. And and it was no problem with me and my brother. My sisters right. might have been a little bit more scared of of, of driving the vehicles than we were, but we wanted our license immediately. But then again, we were driving tractors and old cars on yeah. in, uh, on on uh, uh, friends' farms and everything else, and I already knew how to drive a standard by the time I probably was thirteen or fourteen. Right, and and so um, uh, you know we, but it was still required. My father, you know, now I know I went the day I turned sixteen to get my learner's permit and. Whatever the minimum requirement was, you know, before you could get your license, when you got your learner's permit, I probably had it, you know, that week. So learner's I had permit my was 16 in, in New York? Learner's permit was 16. Wow. Yeah. It's always been 15 here in Texas. Yeah, it was uh, It was 16. And, yeah. And, well, since I can remember, I don't know if it's always yeah. been. Well, I mean, I'm I'm a lot older than you, so you know, back <laughs> back, you know, when we had the Model A, uh, you know, that's and, and had yes. to crank it in the yeah. front and everything. The hor- when the horseless carriage came out, um, yes, I first had my horse license, yeah. and then it went then it went to a car. Well, you know what's interesting is is that um, with with my oldest grandchildren, it's it, it, it is an interesting observing the generational items and and what's different. Now that's one standard that their parents have set for them as well. You got to learn. You got to do this, and you got to practice. So, when they're in the car with an adult and they're of age, well, they get the learner's permit right when they turn fifteen, and you get your license. You know, you test for it, and you go to you get your uh, you go to driving school. You get your your uh, license and and all that when you're sixteen. But the desire for ownership just isn't there it wasn't it for for us and i think you're in the same even though you're a little bit younger than me it's this it was the same mindset uh and i can still remember the first car that my brother and i shared a 1967 ford fairlane gta 390 cubic inch uh got uh uh, six miles to the gallon yeah (laughs) yeah and the thing didn't go up it was rear wheel drive and didn't go up a hill very well in the winter time when when it was snowy and, and and icy but uh, to us, it was it was freedom. It was freedom, yes. and and my that's it. Yes. My and and if my parents, you know, wanted all right, we need milk. We'll get it. Yeah. As soon as we became sixteen, now it took us ninety minutes to complete a five minute trip to get milk. Right. But that was <laughs> the whole thing. We wanted. We wanted the independence. We we wanted that independence. We wanted that that freedom and that's still with me today mm-hmm. i haven't lost i mean 
I've never I've never lost that. I remember that because my brother and I shared the vehicle. Then he needed it for college, and I ended up having to take the bus, and I was on the bus ninety minutes one way to go to work. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, ninety minutes, maybe two hours, because I had to go from the far suburbs where I was going to a community college my first year all the way to downtown to uh, work at the bank. And then at the end, I would take, I would take, uh, you know, the, uh, the bus back, but the bus only was like two miles from my parents' house. So most of the time, if somebody couldn't pick me up from there, I would walk home even during the wintertime, two miles back. Well, I, that wasn't going to last very long. Not yeah, after, right. not after I was driving a vehicle to begin with. Yeah. So I just saved and saved and saved and saved and saved and saved and saved till I could, you know, buy <laughs> my nineteen seventy five orange Pinto with <laughs> with the remember the gas tanks and the pinos. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. But yeah. but I'm telling you yeah. that was a, that was I, I'm amazed I'm alive because that that car was a the trunk. Uh, the back of the car, even though you might get killed if you get rear-ended, mm. had the best speaker cabinet. The trunk was the best speaker cabinet it ever. It was like it was custom-built for it, that. It was custom-built for it. You put a couple Because I didn't of, buy groceries or anything to put back there, so it had to be oh, speakers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you had two Jensen, uh, the coaxials with the triaxials. I had the coaxials. Yeah. And then you had the amp. You Remember you had the oh, FM the the FM converter, and then the amp, and then the cassette deck. Yeah. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. Yeah. That was freedom, let me tell you. I loved it. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, Just reading this article here when we talk about electric uh, vehicles, which, by the way, is skyrocketing the cost of all vehicles. Because right. as you saw yeah. from the, the Ford, right. and we'll talk more about this coming up on the top of the hour, mm-hmm. you saw the, the, the Ford profits and losses. Right. All their profits are on gasoline vehicles. All their losses are on electric vehicles yep. that are being subsidized. Yep. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Yes, so talking about cars here. Um, This is, uh, and and how much it's costing now. We brought this to you last week or the week before. The average American vehicle now, $48,000. So is, I was is, um, is the average American vehicle mm. right now, and this was from National Review looking at Great Britain right now because of electric vehicles, mm-hmm. and they say <laughs> Great Britain and soon the United States is going to look like Cuba 
where you have vehicles that are 20, 25, 30 years old I because, actually, because people are looking at their choices. I actually said that to yeah. a relative over the weekend to my brother-in-law. I said, that's where it's going. We're going to have all these old vehicles around that people are just rebuilding over and over again. Yep. Now, my brother-in-law would love that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking right here where this, the, the Washington Post story about how expensive uh, uh, you know cars are. New cars, once part of the American dream, now out of reach for many. They talked to one guy and his wife. They really wanted a new small SUV with a little space for camping and paddleboarding gear. But despite good jobs in finance and business contracting, the couple's monthly loan payment will run around 700 for the $35,000 models that they were looking at yeah. before the dealer markups. They've decided to fix their old car and keep that for uh, a couple of years. The Daily Telegraph talking about, because they're looking at Great Britain, which is ahead of us in the EVs. Mm -hmm. uh, the cars on Britain's roads are getting older and older as net zero plans leave drivers in a tiz about what new vehicles to buy. About 5.3 million cars are now 15 years or older, according to figures from car manufacturer Auto Trader, up from just 1.7 million in uh, 2001. The number is on track to rise to 9.3 million by 2032. Cars are aging in part because of the squeeze on production, which started during the pandemic and only now is beginning to end. Manufacturing issues led to higher prices and prompted motorists to hold on to their vehicles longer than they otherwise would. However, many are still reluctant to trade in even as more models came onto the market. Rising electricity prices and falling petrol prices have left many motorists hesitant to buy battery-powered vehicles. I will never buy a battery-powered vehicle. No. No. In my life, what's left of my life... You mean aside I, from a golf cart? Except <laughs> from a golf cart. Except, yeah. yeah except, no, I mean, because here's yeah. the thing. What, what they still haven't answered is uh, the overall cost. Uh, before we even talk about the risks, if there is a crash... Um, the overall cost of replacing the batteries. Remember when the thought of rebuilding an engine, right? If you're you got an older car and you're driving it, and it's like, if, which would be the ultimate cost, right? Of 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 uh, of a repair. Well, that's nothing in comparison to replacing the batteries, and in in terms mm -hmm. of costs, right? Why, why would I well, do that? Well, and for me, and, and it's interesting because just on Saturday, I drove in a uh, Tesla Uber car. Mm. I mean, I was yeah. driven around. Right. And I asked a bunch of questions, and he must have the big battery package because 350 miles is what, you know, yeah. he gets. Yeah. And he had his AC on. Now, it wasn't a 100-degree day. Right, right. Uh, but I, he, he liked the vehicle. It's completely impractical to me, even though... It is a great vehicle when you're driving. I'm not saying the technology isn't wonderful in what oh, no, they, in what they the put in. Yeah. And, and when you see the way that it looks like a modern spaceship. and But it's not. You will never take the practical out of me. And it's not practical to wait 45 minutes to charge my vehicle. Okay. So that that right there <laughs> is a no. I don't care if it looks like a spaceship. I'm not going to do it, and I'm not going to pay the cost of what of I'm not going to pay the cost of an electric vehicle 
for the inconvenience that it would give me compared to a gasoline-powered vehicle. So I saw an article the other day, and I knew this was... We've actually talked about this, and I knew it was going in this direction. But I don't know how successful this is going to be. Because I still think it's early in the game for this, because it, it isn't practical. It has to be enormously expensive to build out the, the infrastructure for this, and it is the battery swap. Oh. So you would... What they're saying is you will recharge, they had it wrong, the article, the, the headline. You can uh, a, imagine an, an EV where you could recharge your battery in the time it takes to fill up gasoline. So I think it's 15 minutes. Well, it's not recharging. So that part of it was wrong. It's a battery swap. Now, in Japan, they've been doing this for a number of years with trucks, and the batteries slide out sideways from underneath the truck, and another one is placed in. All right, nowhere in the article did they, because there's a separate company that's making the batteries from the, the and it wasn't Tesla, uh, the EV maker, I forget the name, wasn't Rivian, it was another one. And so this is a joint, this is a collaboration between those two, that EV maker and then a battery company, that apparently is going to build out the infrastructure. They didn't get into the details because in the details is where you start answering a lot of these questions cost. that people like you and I have. The cost of this, of setting it up, the cost to the consumer, the cost of setting up that type of infrastructure. Because what we're talking about ultimately is is that, and you and I talked about it too, about emergency situations, the transportability of the energy to drive that vehicle. Uh, you know, if you've owned a car, you probably own a gas can somewhere, or at least you've used one. Well, what about the transportability of the energy? How do you get a quick charge if something happens and somebody's on the road and they need to be rescued or AAA needs to go get them, whatever it is? Well, the battery swap thing I knew was going to come down from at least one EV maker, if not multiple. I knew that was coming because the technology was already at work in Japan. But, again, let's talk about well, the practicality talk, but, but of you're, it. you're talking about the practicality of it, the cost of it, the fact that that would mean that if you were building this out and that was your solution, battery swaps for everything for you, instead of a, instead of a charging, charging station, the cost would be through the roof uh, because, number one, we don't have the materials in the United States just to have the batteries for the vehicles alone. Right. So if you're talking about the fact in order to do something like this, you would have to have probably double or triple the amount of battery packs that are available in order to swap them out while you're charging the other one. Exactly. Uh, the, the my, cost, my guess the, the, is three in rotation for uh, for the average number of vehicles. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the cost of the battery packs alone to do something like that would be, I mean, how, how much would it cost? And $100 a fill-up, $200 a fill-up, or a battery exchange of the pack? Well, and, and here's the thing, too. Right now, we're still in that era of when you buy that EV. I mean, it, it's, you know, you take ownership of it, and and the people that own them, you know, they're, they're showing it off at every at every step. Are they going to trust a situation like that? Are they going to trust an infrastructure like that? 
because who's to say that the battery they're putting in isn't faulty? Now, they're, I'm sure the company would have to guarantee it. In order to get people to participate, you're going to have to build this very high level of trust in your products ahead of demand. You're going to have to build out the infrastructure ahead of demand. Enormously expensive, and the cost will not be practical. I'm not saying we wouldn't get there one day. Talk to me in 50 years. Maybe we get there sooner than that. We're not there now. And the only thing, you and I have been very clear on this, I think. The only thing I'm against is the mandates, the technology, and and the, the, the government money. Take the government money out of it and see where the demand is. Show me that demand and show me who's buying it and show and tell me why they're buying it right now, where we are right now. Is it the demand? Is it real demand or is it people? The technology is cool. I make a good living. Uh, I like this. I'm going to, you know, this is going to be my experiment or I'm virtue signaling with my car and I want people to think that, you know, I'm driving a cleaner vehicle. Whatever, it's it's all of the above, but it isn't the true demand of making it practical well, and a more efficient way of traveling. Well, you said it before, golf carts. Mm-hmm. My, my One of my buddies and, and his uh, wife just spent the last three months down, you know, rented a house in the villages. Mm-hmm. And he goes, it's great. You don't have to take your car to go to the supermarket. Everybody has a golf cart. Yeah, right. So you take your golf cart yeah, there. Yeah. So, yeah, the golf cart is able to, uh, you know, it's a cool thing to jump in to go down to the store. But you still have your car. You still have your vehicle, in his case, yeah. the, the their their van RV. Right. Uh, and it's fun to drive it back and forth. But it doesn't replace normal driving. Right. It, exactly. It's, it's a niche but it doesn't. You're not going to be in that vehicle when it's pouring rain in Florida. We own some. We own some property inside of a gated area near a lake, and it's the same thing within that gated property. And they're very strict on the rules. You know, you're you're if you're driving a, a golf cart uh, or a vehicle like that uh, to get around in that inside uh, that community, you have to have lights. You can't. Uh, they really don't want you driving it at night. That's discouraged. But they have rules. But same, same effect, same situation. You drive over to the office. Uh, if your mail comes there, if you get a, a package while you're not there or whatever, and you can drive around the gate, go down to the lake, whatever. If you're not uh, on the lake, and it's only getting around within that community. People don't depend on that for their livelihood. They don't. Uh, they don't depend on that for trips to the doctor. You know, again, the practicality of it all, the efficiency of it is not there. We're not going from a far less efficient. This is what they, they have to lie about. Oh, it's a much more efficient situation. No, it's not. The cost of it is not. And trying to meet the mandates will be far from more efficient it is going to cost a bundle if we can even do it logistically, which most experts say we can't, not within that time frame. 866-90-RED-EYE. 
Leased owner-operators should be aware of four common revenue myths, lest you fall into the trap of mistaking revenue for profit. Myth 1. Concentrate on increasing revenue because costs will take care of themselves. This is not true, as costs are fundamental to the profit equation and the area where owners exert the most control to improve. Myth 2. More revenue per mile is the answer to all problems. Though carrier pay packages differ in structure, revenue per mile really doesn't change much from company to company. But there can be a big difference in miles, overall gross revenue, reimbursements, and fees. Myth 3. All you have to do to be successful is run a lot of miles. In reality, revenue is only half of the profit equation. Costs are the other half. It's possible to generate a lot of revenue, yet spend a dollar ten to make every dollar. Myth 4. You can tell how well you're doing by the size of your settlement check. The settlement check is only a part of the success picture. Miles driven, loads hauled, conditions, mechanical problems, time off, and especially costs all have to be considered. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, just reading here from uh, the, the Daily Telegraph as we just uh, talk about electric vehicles here, but thought this was interesting as they talk about in Great Britain that uh, now 5.3 million cars are 15 years or older. The people are now going to keep their gasoline cars a lot longer. He said, and the, the point is, Great Britain and the United States may end up looking like Cuba where people are driving 30, 40-year-old vehicles he said, um, rising electricity prices and falling petrol prices have left many motorists hesitant to buy battery-powered vehicles. Meanwhile, the looming ban on new petrol and diesel car sales from 2030 has left others wondering if purchasing another non-electric uh, car is worth it either. Note the last sentence. The math, such as it is, of the switch to EVs used to be that auto companies would at least partly pay for the capital investment needed to enable them to manufacture EVs on a sufficient scale with the profits made in their legacy business. That model probably hasn't survived the new FDA regulations. The possible reluctance would be purchasers of conventional cars to stick with the ones they already have uh, is an extra twist. From the Daily Telegraph, for now, sales of EVs are being propped up by company car buyers and the wealthy. Uh, one of the leading motoring experts uh, and a professor at the University of Loughborough said, what happens when those buyers have satisfied their needs? Will average families really splash the extra cash for battery-powered cars that cost about 10,000 pounds more than petrol and diesel equivalents? If they do not, expect even more rust buckets on Britain's road based on current trends, a record 15.4 million cars will be over 10 years old by 2028 in Great Britain, Auto Trader forecast. There you go. Yeah, because they're not going to get cheaper. Yep. They're not going to get, you know, the cost of the materials isn't going to get cheaper. Even at a normal inflation rate, it's 2%. And we're not any anywhere close to normal right now. 
and might not be for a few years. So when you look at the cost of everything, the entire process of mining for these vehicles, building these vehicles, delivering these vehicles, maintaining these vehicles, powering these vehicles. Uh, by the way, in New York, uh, it would be, uh, what, 17% more to power the vehicle like it is everything else? Oh, electricity rates going up. going up. Yep. Despite the looming deadline for the introduction of the ban on the sale of new combustion engine cars, consumer reluctance could even be growing. Research by Forbes Advisor suggests that 62% of people think the U.K. is not ready for a ban in 2030, and 42% say the ban should be scrapped entirely. A recent uh, a, a survey suggests that the percentage of car owners considering an EV is dwindling slightly down from about a quarter to less than a fifth over the past few years, data from Auto Trader reflects this. Interest in new EVs has fallen by about two thirds. Two thirds. The writer goes on. Uh, the writer of the article goes on to suggest that this is going to do some very strange things to market prices for autos. That's right. I think at the moment, prices in Britain for used conventional cars are very strong, and that's still partly a result of the post-COVID distortions. Nevertheless, even once those have uh, work their way through the system. I have a feeling that prices for secondhand climate criminal cars <laughs> oh, wow. will hold up much better than EV enthusiasts might expect. Mm-hmm. And as, then they point out the price of EVs is dropping a lot, and mm-hmm. we've talked about that. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the growing uneasiness about the expense and practicalities of EV ownership, which means they're a burden still on the automobile companies because they can't make a profit right on these vehicles right and they're definitely not going to make a profit without the subsidies on the vehicles right oh man central planning yeah well hey, you know it worked for look, the soviet union it's so much easier if we all just get on a electric train and go to where we're going now you people that are in the farm communities in nebraska and iowa they, 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 this doesn't apply to you but do you really ever go anywhere anyway Probably not. So we'll just do it. The government will just do everything. And we'll give you what you need. You don't need a car. You don't need that many choices of deodorant. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.
hundred hours a night and still not enough. Listen to our podcast available on the app and on our website, RedEyeRadioShow.com. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Um, all right. What are we doing here? I don't know. What are we doing? I was just reading an article, actually, uh, from USA Today. This uh, was yesterday? When did this come out? Good. I'm glad you saved yeah. here. Uh, just uh, yesterday, <laughs> um, uh, the EV market, you touched on this just a minute ago, the EV market, the demand is dropping. And so you're seeing it's becoming harder and harder to convince people. But uh, there is uh, some data here from who Medora Lee wrote this for USA Today. Uh, and it was published yesterday. Um, in March, 20, 21% of new vehicle shop, shoppers said they were very unlikely to consider an EV up from 18.9% in February. And then the uh, EV's market share of all new vehicles sales dropped to 7.3% in March. That's down from a record high of 8.5% in February, up from 2.6% in February 2020. Um but the prices right now and the the delivery of the you know the energy the infrastructure for recharging are driving down demand and so as you see that the well prices have come down for electric vehicles yeah, yeah that that's they're dropping but because, it's, yeah. but they're still much higher than gasoline powered vehicles yes yes they are yes by comparison yes. they're much more expensive yes. and so and and keep in mind that the gasoline-powered vehicles, their prices are going up. So the yeah. dynamics look like, oh, my gosh, everything's coming. In fact, somebody wrote uh, for another, I just came across the article a minute ago, that, look, we could be at a point where EVs are, are close to the cost of a gasoline-powered vehicle, as if that's a good thing, as if that's a positive. No, it's not, because what are the dynamics at work? The gasoline-powered vehicles are going through the roof. Under my plan of cap-and-trade, electricity rates would necessarily skyrocket. This is part of the plan. You have to break the traditional forms of energy, sources of energy, in order to finally get to a point where you can nationalize energy in the U.S., and that's exactly where this is going. The EV demand is dropping which is why the prices are coming down. Let me play this audio here. This is from Senator Kennedy from, I believe, last week, mm. talking to a Biden representative about uh, the EV policy. And there's, um, um, I can't see your name. I can't see. Hopper. Ms. Hopper. Ms. Hopper, I, I love solar energy. I just want you to know that. And I love electric cars. But i got to ask you this question. I've been waiting to ask this. Uh, if electric cars are so swell, how come government has to pay people to drive them? So I think, um, as, like most most government policies, right, are are put in place to incent certain behaviors, and so that's part of the policy. Is that if we want more, yeah, electric yeah, but cars, if they're so swell, why couldn't they in, just in a competitive market? You know, people, why wouldn't they be choosing even? Electric cars over in, uh, internal combustion engine cars. 
I think that. Why, why do we have to pay people to drive them? But I, don't, I wouldn't characterize it as paying people to drive them, but I would. Well, sure we are. We're giving a big old tax credit. The government uh, having a policy to incent more uh, purchase of electric vehicles. Okay. So we're grabbing out. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> she would she answer the question. It, she, because she can't. Well, it, you and I have played. How many audio cuts have we played the last month on almost every single question the Biden administration and their representatives can't and whatever topic it is can't answer a question right right no i mean they can't because here it's very clear the demand isn't there the natural demand isn't there take away the subsidies and look at where the sales would be now not good you're getting to a point again this is exactly what obama said under my plan of cap and trade electricity rates would necessarily skyrocket and yeah. so what you're doing is because of the ev mandates more and more because of what's going on and what's moving what we're moving toward right now the the california mandate is affecting the cost already why is that well because the oems know that they have to retool that if it isn't reversed if it isn't changed they have to meet that mandate in 2035 you don't do that overnight as an oem you know you don't snap your fingers click the heart button hey i like that comment and then make something happen tomorrow the oems have to have the materials in place in order to in order to exist they have to work years ahead of time because this is where it goes. This is how it goes. They'll be advertising their EVs like they are now because they have to, because the mandate is that they have to. Now look at their profits and ask them where they would like to be and what they would like to be selling. They're all going to smile and say, oh, this is great, and it's great for the planet, and, and blah, blah, blah. As a corporation, we believe in blah, 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 blah. <laughs> what they're saying is the direct translation is they're forcing us to do this, and if we don't, we're gone. Yeah. We have no choice. It's all the mandates. And we don't get it much anymore, but we, um, when we first started talking about this years ago, people would say, why are you against technology? We're not. No, I love. I actually love the technology. Yeah. I, I, I love all technology. What I'm against is mandating something that people don't want and aren't asking for. And this is the first time in history, by the way, that this is happening yep. in, a, in a society yep. in the United States yep. where... Nobody is asking for more expensive electricity. Right. Nobody is asking for electric. Well, I mean, some people may want an electric vehicle, but the masses are not demanding it. They're not it, doing it for the practical reasons right. that where we've made right. the transition, you know, and said, okay, now we can go from here to here, this point to that point, And now I can. Right. That's not no. why they're making that decision. Well, people want $20 million homes but 99.9% .9 of people can't afford it. Right. So there's a market out there for $20 million uh, homes, but it's extremely small. And if you were subsidizing million-dollar homes, mm -hmm. there would be more 
more people that may jump into the market. But still, when you see it, electric vehicles, what you have in this country still is the poor and the middle class subsidizing so the rich elite can buy their second uh, car which or their third car, which is an electric vehicle. Right. And the same thing is happening in Great Britain. Right. And so you that can't afford a car are subsidizing the second or third vehicle for somebody who makes a heck of a lot more money than you so they can have their little showpiece to right. show their friends. Well, you know, uh, comedians in cars getting coffee, this, there, there, there was so... Everything goes back to some form of Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are so many examples of the, uh, the, the hypocrisy. And uh, just in that one series alone, but one that applies here is David Letterman. Remember the old red truck? square body that he used to yeah, drive yeah the chevy mm-hmm, yep. i love that truck i mean that was i would love to have been able to look at that truck and 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 the engine and everything else and then he uh on that episode i don't think they i don't think it i think they talked about that truck i don't remember that truck actually being on the episode i do remember him having a race car and i think it was given to him by paul newman or built for him by paul newman I mean, a muscle car, man. This thing was great. And then later, they got in his Nissan Leaf. And they were driving around. It's, well, I think it's what we need to do. And Jerry's like, well, come on. We just got out of a muscle car. (laughs) This isn't your primary form. You're doing this because you want people to believe that you're going to save the... You're driving it as a showpiece. How many are actually walking the walk? The technology is cool. If you're doing it for the technology alone and it's practical in your life, although I have some questions about that, then okay, whatever you're doing with your money, great. I know somebody makes a good buck and bought an electric vehicle as like their fourth vehicle. We have a family friend that bought a Tesla a long time ago. Uh, they live down the road. They live down the street. They're they're very wealthy. They live down the street, or did. I don't know if Arnold Schwarzenegger still lives uh, there. Listen to me. My neighbor's driving an electric Hummer, <laughs> and they they bought this Tesla. It, it was a long time ago. Man, it seems ancient. And yeah, they have a lot of money. They have this unbelievable house. They live in an unbelievable neighborhood and i'm sure as old as that tesla is i think the horses back then were pulling it i'm not sure that's how old it is but the technology's always been cool who doesn't love it i mean they're fast they are fast i've heard that on the uh the the s plaid model uh that if you're on if you go out to a drag strip an actual drag strip that you would be required to put a parachute on the back because it accelerates so quickly. The rules of that drag strip, if it's an official drag strip, would make you put a parachute on the back of the car. They're fast. They're all great and wonderful. Now let's talk about the mandate. The mandate isn't about the cool technology. 
the mandate isn't about efficiency. It's not. It never has been. It's about the government getting greater control over the energy sector because that's what they have wanted to do all along. Nationalize it. That's the goal. That's the goal. Because you're throwing federal money at all the states, even Texas is making stupid moves when it comes to energy. That are going to cost, it's going to cost everybody. Under my plan of cap and trade, electricity rates will necessarily Uh, skyrocket. Obama. I actually uh, was out over the weekend and met three new people, three guys. We got into the discussion. They didn't even know what I did. They never found out. One guy did later on found out right when we were leaving what I did for a living, but nobody else knew. And I told them what's going on in Texas with the energy, how we're subsidizing everything now. Yeah. And and how because of the the federal government subsidizing solar and wind (laughs) and uh, solar and wind that uh, uh, they need. And and again, you cannot be you cannot give consistent forms of energy with solar and wind. Right. But the federal government's doing that. And so for the state to keep the grid going because they can't stop those federal dollars from coming in. Right. So the states come up with the idea to build gas, uh, natural gas generation plants that will only run 10% of the time that need to be subsidized by the, the, the taxpayer and uh, an increase in premiums to have a redundancy that isn't necessary, basically have double the power plants that we need one guy looked at me, wasn't even part of the conversation, was listening, turned and said, that's insane. I'm like, I, that's what's going on. No joke. It is That's insane. what's going on. Yeah, it is. I, look, at some point, something is going to happen. There is not going to be this, this rapid advancement of technology in the mining of the materials necessary, uh, whether it's lithium, cobalt, or any of the materials to buy any or, or build any of the vehicles between now and 2035 that is going to get you to that point even in california we're not going to get to that point of being able to mine that that much material to hit that kind of mandate so what happens is we hit that and then all of a sudden that wall makes people sober up and then they kick the can down the road however long that's where i believe it's going to go because you just can't get it done Eight six six ninety red eye Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. 866-90-RED-EYE. Interesting, really, that uh, how... Um, you have the um, uh, the the left and just the media in general tearing through that polling that came out on Biden yesterday. Yeah, and, and it's amazing. You realize why they're panicking, and you see, for example, on young people and with uh, with blacks, yeah. it's just crashed. Right, the the yeah. support for Biden right now. So we'll get to that and yeah. uh, more. Plus, a lot of things going on this week. Mm. Uh, the border, James Comer's press conference. That's going to be wild oh, to watch. Man, I'm telling you. Yeah.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want. And there's so much in the political realm going on. Oh, my gosh. I was... I couldn't believe it listening to part of Trump's deposition that had come out. Yeah. I, I just, I I don't know. It was the most, to be in a civil trial over the charge of rape and say what he did, what he said, and he was talking about the fact that she's not my type and said to the lawyer, you're not my type was probably, to me, the biggest idiotic legal statement ever made by anybody in a civil trial. Because if you're being accused of something so heinous, the first thought should be, I would never do that to anyone. I would never do that. This didn't happen. I would never do that to anyone. And to turn it into something... I, I don't know. Well, I, I don't even know. There's the lack of self-awareness on that deposition is it was staggering st- because the impl- the first thing and, and I saw it because it was going around on social media yeah. where he said, you know, basically to the uh, the uh, the other attorney mm-hmm. asking him the question, you know, uh, you're not my type either. Right. Basically stating there's a particular type I rape. Because yeah. you're not talking about sex. Well, the you're thing, not you're, right. You're talking rape, right? And I'm shaking my head, going, "I can't." And and it's the one that was going out there where he said that. Yeah. And it was people posting that with you've seen the thing where the 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 two announcers are watching some kind of, of I don't know if it's MMA or whatever, mm. and they go, "Whoa!" Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that was Trump said that, and they all went like, "Whoa!" Like Trump had a victory at that point by mm-hmm. stating that. Mm-hmm. That, like I said, that may have been the most idiotic response to a question in a civil trial I have ever seen in my life. I, um, I, I look at that and I, I think to myself, you know, because you look at that situation. Uh, the deposition was from last October, and you look at that situation, and he announced November fifteenth, but he already—I'm sure he already knew. This was, uh, I think, late October. October 22nd, I think, was the deposition. But if you're fighting for, you know, if you your innocence, I would never do this to anyone. That's a heinous act, and I would never do that to anyone. These allegations are false. I don't know this person. I may or may not have met this person. I don't know. And the back and forth on that is, okay, that's believable that he didn't remember meeting her. All right, fine. 
But the lack of self-awareness in that response was mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. Especially when he said to the attorney that you're not my type either. As if he had some type, he thought he had some type of win in that statement to the attorney. Well, it's not a back and forth on social media between a couple of people saying, hey, I you know, a, a female saying, hey, I would never date you. And him saying, well, you're not my type. You're being yeah. accused of rape. rape. So the implication can be taken that, oh, I wouldn't rape you because you're not good enough, but I would rape somebody who is better looking than you. It that, was my, that, that I, is that was the consideration. Was, if that's the primary consideration when you're in a legal setting being deposed by someone, their attorney is deposing you, and and that person is accusing you of rape. That that's the first thing on your mind is a response. Wow, blew my mind yesterday when I saw that, or the day before. I saw I it when it came up. I thought, okay, this is a very interesting legal setting you don't always get um a uh a, a video or audio of a deposition very interesting does it mean trump is guilty of the accusations no it doesn't but that's not the point because i don't know how much of this is you know uh i i don't know the motivation between E.G. and Carol. I don't know. Uh, I don't know the relationship between those two. I don't know if they actually met aside from the handshake or the picture that they were in together. I have no idea. But you're being deposed as a former president. And in that moment, again, I believe he likely knew already, had already made the decision that he was going to run again. Because it wasn't but a few weeks later that he announced, officially. And you, you're, I mean, that's a heinous, very heinous criminal act. And that's your, the first thing on your mind is, eh, well, you're not my type. You boil it down to a social media response? I, I can see those attorneys going, well, our case just got a lot better. Thank you. Well, and I can see the left looking at that going, oh, my gosh. Everybody needs to see this because they don't care whether or not E. Jean Carroll wins or whatever. They just care about the political effect. But I wouldn't, in that moment, be caring about my political career. I would be caring about these false accusations against me. And that kind of accusation, because I, in my mind, I'm thinking everybody, my family and everybody, right now, to some extent, if they weren't there, they may support me. They may love me. But in the back of their mind, I'm wondering if they're thinking, I may have done this. That'd be my thought process. So it would, sim it would simply be, I didn't do it. It's false. I didn't do it. You wouldn't. It's false. You would not be. You would not be mm -hmm. able to keep me from saying that at every, every turn. These yeah, allegations are false. I did not do this.
Yeah, no. like I said, I, I was blown away by when I saw that. I went, "You've got to be kidding me! Are you trying to? Are you are you are you trying to uh, be found liable in this case? Because that's how bad that answer was." A social media response is what you gave an attorney for the person who's accusing you of rape. Well, you sent out the message. <laughs> the message was, you're not good, you're not uh, attractive enough to rape because you're not talking about dating, you're talking about rape. And that's how he answered it. Just amazing. I just, uh, I just, it, when I saw that the other day, I forget when it was, but when I saw, I just shook my head, going, "You've got to be kidding me!" So, and I don't know the rest of the testimony, and I don't know, I didn't see it, so I don't know how this jury is going to rule on it. All I know is the statement that he made was absolutely the worst possible statement you could make at a Wicked. liability at a civil liability trial for rape i don't know of a worse statement that he could make except i did it we can make our observations about how the how this case is playing out and uh what is happening and what is not happening we mentioned i think it was last week that what you don't see right now is you don't see this big um group defending Eugene Carroll and 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 out there saying, you know, and typically you would see that. Yeah, you don't. You know, we mentioned that early. We yeah. mentioned that when you the trial don't first started. That. Yeah, and I don't know why that right. is. I have no idea. I don't know her reputation. I don't right. know. I, I I honestly, absolutely don't know why that isn't the case right now. Because typically you would see that. You would see a bunch of celebrities come out and say, "Listen, you have to believe her. I believe her. You have to believe her. She must be believed." And you didn't, you haven't seen that, or or even, uh, you know, you know, I don't know her that well, but I know Trump, right? So you've got to give her the benefit of the doubt. You would expect to hear that from the left, right? And you really haven't heard that at well, all. Well, because and 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 that's it. And if you are innocent, the only thing you do is repeat that. I wouldn't wish this on anyone. This is a horrible, horrible situation for any real victim. But she was not a victim of me because I never did this. And that's what you stick to for every question. If you're innocent, right. I, I would be so, so desperate to prove my innocence. At every turn, you repeat the same thing. How could you not? It was pretty bad. Uh, Biden's not going to have a good week, though. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we'll talk more about uh, James Comer. <laughs> we'll talk about uh, uh, the, the the response, really, I mean, to, to uh, Biden talking about the fact that, you know, my son hasn't done anything wrong. And it was brought up, well, everybody knows. There's nobody debating whether he did right or wrong. Everybody knows that the facts are he did wrong. Everyone knows he evaded income tax. Everyone knows he did not fill out that gun registration form accurately. Right. I, I it's, he falsely filled. He filled that out. Everybody knows. And so, by saying that as he did, mm -hmm. 
there's, you know, it's like, number one, when Kareem Jean-Pierre keeps saying, we can't talk about this because we can't interfere on an investigation, he just did. Yep. And that's the liability, again, of Joe Biden. You're not going to get, you're not going to, that's, I think that's one of the problems. I think that's why they're having him go out the side door. Now he's not even within shouting distance. I mean, he was yesterday announcing the flight. He said flightsrights.com, flightrights.com website. By the way, the cost of flying just went up again. Oh, yeah. It's up. Like I said, it's way higher than it yep. was yep. the last couple of years. And everything that they wish to do is going to make it. Uh, any flight, did you see any flight that's canceled, uh, the airline should pay for the hotel and your time, your Uber. Right. All of it should right. be, all of it should be. Repaid to you. Now, if it's a if it's a mechanical problem, they'll pay for a lot. But if it's weather, they're not going to pay. If it's so, yeah, no, no. He's he he did say if it's something that mechanical, they could have prevented. They've, okay, all right. That's the way okay. he phrased it. All right. Now, of course, we haven't seen the rule or the proposed rule, and the letter of the rule is going to make all the difference when it's a final rule. You know, this is the problem with administrative, all the administrative costs. All the administrative costs go straight to you. You're paying that. Oh, yeah. The cost of flying just went up. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. On our radio, he's Eric. I'm Gary. So, uh, with uh, Comer uh, on Wednesday, be holding his press conference. I'm assuming after the meeting with the FBI and the Department of Justice, where he expects to get that document. Um, wow! I saw Miranda Devine on Fox News yesterday. Now she's the one that really broke the laptop story. She's yeah, the one behind yeah. that. Right. Uh, she wrote the book "Laptop from Hell," yeah, yeah. which has proved to be quite uh, quite accurate here. Yeah, right. Uh, she was asked some of the same questions that you know, if the Department of Justice, you know, will will, will this mean when he, when Comer comes out with it, depending on what he comes out with, will a special counsel be appointed at that point? And if the Department of Justice decided today, for example, that there's enough because of, you know, they looked at this document and the document was hidden and in the files and they hadn't seen it. And now they've seen it and they realize, okay, this leads directly to the president. And then, okay, then we need to have a special counsel. And that's done today. Does that really negate anything and any information that? Uh, Comer's committee can actually get mm. from now on mm. because now there's a special counsel looking into it or will they simply say nope we continue with this we continue with our investigation the same way uh, because we're a separate branch of uh, government mm. 
if the executive branch with special counsel is going to do their investigation, that's fine. That doesn't mean that we don't get to do ours. I know that um, uh, one of the House uh, committees uh, uh, is uh, wants to charge uh, uh, Blinken with contempt of Congress because he will not give them anything on Afga- the withdrawal of, from Afghanistan. And it's like he repeatedly has refused to do it, just ignoring the subpoenas that that uh, they're they're getting. So uh, I think that I think that now I think Republicans, with everything going on, smell blood in the water on a number of issues out there, and I think they're going to raise it to to the level you know that we haven't seen before, yeah. like Comer right. holding a press conference right. and saying, "Okay, we're going to." Tell, we're going to show you what is going on. It's very hard to ignore it when it gets to that particular point. Because remember, what the Republicans have accused the president of, the allegation is, uh, you know, through the whistleblower, that the president took a bribe from a foreign national representing a foreign government when he was vice president of the United States. Yeah. When you look at the amount of money that went to the Biden family, you are potentially talking about the biggest influence peddling slash bribery uh, behavior in the history of American presidential politics. Yeah, um, it's it, it, it is so huge. Uh, this is why you and I, we're always the wait and see, you know, because we have no idea what Comer has, what the what the whistleblower has. We don't. But if it is, if it turns out to be proof of a quid pro quo, done. It's over. The Biden presidency is over. At that point, everything. I, it doesn't even go into damage control at that point. It goes into exit ramp at that point. Well, I think Democrats are willing to jump off right now, even before. Oh yeah, 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 Com- yeah. Comer, Comer yeah. comes out with this, but with the if the allegations are, are viewed, I mean, if this comes out and it's specific, and I don't know how specific he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be specific on the whistleblower. I think it's going to be, from what I gather, yeah, you mean one, Wednesday. What I say. No, I'm I'm just adding on, to I, that. yeah on Wednesday. You mean Wednesday? Yeah, 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 on, yeah. on Wednesday, I I think it'll be more lining out. Yeah, you know what the banking record showed. Right, right, right. I yeah, I no, don't I, think I don't think they're ready to go to the whistleblower yet or use his information. I do know you saw, for example, that the whistleblower, the IRS whistleblower, met with House investigators uh, yesterday. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I think the exit ramp would be Biden. The Democrats of some of the Democrats seem to have already pulled off on the exit ramp. They're just the, yeah. the thing is, is they're not jumping out in front of this. Um, they while, need one more thing to say, OK, somebody else. Yeah, no, I, I think. And this is oh, this would be the ultimate. I mean, obviously. Evidence of a quid pro quo. Well, been nice knowing you and mm-hmm. you can ride off into the sunset now. And it would be over.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. Mm-hmm. And I'm Gary McNamara. He is Eric Harley. Yeah, here's a story. Representative Michael McCall, Republican from Texas, warned Secretary of State Blinken that he would move to hold Blinken in contempt of Congress should he not satisfy subpoena requests related to the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, according to a letter McCall wrote to Blinken and published Monday. McCall, chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, wrote that he had given Blinken a number of extensions to comply with the subpoena originally issued March 28th, but the Secretary of State's response remains insufficient. McCall is primarily seeking a full copy of a dissent cable that had been signed by nearly two dozen State Department officials warning Blinken of a Taliban insurgency in Afghanistan a month before the terrorist group's takeover uh, uh, occurred. The cable, which the Wall Street Journal reported on in 2021, served as an indication that the Biden administration could have potentially been better prepared for the Afghanistan evacuation uh, so as to avoid at least some of the loss of life and uh, life and chaos that occurred uh, during it. And the other thing is, too, it shows that the 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 continued lies from the administration about Afghanistan yeah. and the the lies that, you know, where he said, no, you know, everybody told me it was time to get out and we know and all the military leaders and it was exactly the opposite. Mm-hmm. And these are State Department officials, but it adds it adds to the inertia that Republicans are attempting to to put out there that everybody was telling him that this is not going to go well and he just didn't care or pay attention. And then after it blew up in his face, he lied about it consistently. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same thing going on right now. I mean, and I do think, you know, I, I think that Republicans, you know, especially after he reannounced and it was Mark Penn, the Democratic pollster, and I mentioned this earlier, but it's worth mentioning again, who said, look, the reason that Biden's numbers have tanked is because people now know he's going to run. The 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 yeah. the, uh, the six point difference now the down to thirty six percent approval from forty two percent is all Democrats. It's yeah. all Democrats yeah. going. Oh yeah. God, no, he's going to run. Well, we don't yeah. want him to do that. We don't. You know, we don't want him. When he hadn't announced yet, they were still oh, okay. As soon as he said, "I'm going to run again," and so that's all. That's Democrats. Now there is no good news. With the Title 42 expiring this week, and the massive amounts, I was reading that uh, one uh, uh, head of a uh, humanitarian aid group that uh, for shelter down there said it's never been worse. This is in El Paso. Never. It's yeah. complete yeah. insanity. You've got now. Think about this. You've got you know Adams saying that he was going to move migrants from New York City elsewhere. And to these other counties in New York and these other counties are going, absolutely not. You're not going to do that. I mean, illegal immigration in this country, really, when you think about it, because of, uh, you know, if if you want to say DeSantis, but really Abbott, who has consistently done it over and over again, uh, you know, say, you know, we're going to offer migrants that they can go to sanctuary cities. They can go to New York. They can go to Chicago. That has really taken illegal immigration in this country 
to a brand new level of concern with Americans. Because that's really incredible. When I read the story yesterday where these local county executives are coming out saying, don't you dare, you know, send migrants from New York City here. Yeah. Well, here yeah. we go, and that's going on in New York City. Yep. And I'm sure the same thing with Chicago. Well, we, we can't have We need time to... It becomes a problem that everyone can feel now, even on the local level, where it hasn't been. It's basically been to hell with the border cities. We don't give a damn about border cities in Texas and Arizona. We just don't care. Well, I mean, that's it. I, it it's uh, Who was it? I think it was the D.C. mayor that said, well, Texas is built for this. We're not built for this. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Have you spoken to the mayor of Del Rio, the mayor of El Paso? Do you talk to the individuals who are dealing with a nightmare of a scenario? They don't have the resources. You know, that's in the, that, it just hit me. One part of that is a very uh, a particular type of slap in the face. Because the mayors of those cities in, on the border would love to have the resources of a Washington, D.C. or any other sanctuary city. While those mayors are saying, we're not going to, officially, their policy is, we're not going to spend our resources in cooperating with federal officials to keep things safe for our citizens. The mayors in, in those border towns would love to have more resources locally to fight what's going on, and they don't. They're overrun, and you're creating a policy in your city that says, oh, we're not going to even spend resources on it. By the way, I saw another, um, I have to go back and, and see who the person was, but they claimed to be a, a Democrat and said, we have to end sanctuary policy. We have to end it. Now, I don't think that's going to resonate. Because I don't think you're going to see that officially where they're going to actually go in and officially end sanctuary policy. They're just going to keep saying, no, send them back to Texas. No, send them back to Arizona. They're not going to go through the motion of actually undoing sanctuary policy. That is not going to happen. Here it is. New York counties declare emergency as Mayor Adams plans to bus uh, migrants from uh, the border their way. Upstate New York counties are vowing to fight New York City Mayor Eric Adams' plans to send migrants and asylum seekers north for temporary housing. On Monday, Orange County Executive Steve Newhouse issued an an, an execute order for hotels not to accept asylum seekers. Newhouse accused the mayor of reneging on his promises to send only 60 adult male migrant asylum seekers without notifying Orange County officials. He said the county could no longer rely on the representations of New York City officials. There is no reason to believe that these migrants or asylum seekers will leave Orange County after New York City ceases to pay for the housing and any services that they are presently receiving from New York City, or that many thousands more migrants or asylum seekers will not be transported to Orange County. The county executive predicted 
that a surge of migrants into the county will overwhelm city resources, and as such, there uh, there is there is no legal basis to provide adequate services to these migrants or asylum seekers. Newhouse ordered that all hotels, motels, and/or facilities allowing short-term rentals do not accept said migrants or asylum seekers for housing within Orange County. And then they at a news conference, U.S. Representative Michael Lawler and other officials, Rockland uh, County Executive Ed Day said the uh, 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 county is not equipped to humanely assist these individuals, which eventually we're going to have to do. And so this is this is now becoming this will become a huge issue this summer and next summer too. Next summer yeah. leading up into the because as you said, as you said so well the other day, the message was sent when Biden said, Come here. Yeah. Yeah. When he was campaigning, come here. We know that's the truth. Everyone knows that's the truth. The migrants and illegal immigrants crossing the border have said so. That's why they have they, they came because they were invited uh, to come to the uh, United States, and so it's not going to end. It's only going to get worse and worse and yep. worse under right. this uh, administration. And right. so uh, the difference is now major Democrat cities are having to deal with it. Yeah. In right. liberal states. Yeah. It's, you know, look, it affects everyone. This is also what I hate about what the blue mayors are doing. And, and they're pretending that if the migrants are sent somewhere else, that the problem goes away. There may not be a direct effect and you're not going, it may not ever rise to the point of being El Paso or Del Rio, but there is an impact in those cities on those citizens. It may be a direct impact. It's not something you can see uh, on the, or, or are going to see on the evening news, but there is an impact and we're feeling it as a nation. And that arrogance of, oh, well, we we can't handle this. This isn't our problem. Yes, it is. It's everybody's problem. And the answer from this administration, let's speed up the process by sending troops down to the border to make sure we can uh, process them more smoothly. That's insane. You know, everything, all this, um, all this uh, uh, news about Title 42, I think you were the first that I heard say this. We have immigration laws. Title 42, whether it's in place or not, we have immigration laws. The enforcement is up to the administration. Uh, the pro- yeah, we all know what the problem is. Yep. The problem is anybody coming seeking asylum gets into the country. Yep. Well, I'm seeking asylum. Right. We can change that. Right. I'm seeking asylum, uh, you know, because I need to get away from, you know, my country. And it's like, well, okay, well then, uh, we'll hear it, but you have to stay in your, your, you know, whatever, uh, Mexico or whatever, the remain in Mexico policy until we approve of it. Because the whole point is everybody 
who can't make a case that they're suffering and they need to come into the United States. So do we allow everybody in? We all know what the problem is. We're not idiots. We understand what it is. And you're not going to get uh, an increase in legal immigration that you need if we continue on this policy. Now, we know that a significant portion of those claiming asylum will not get it. Right. And then they remain illegally in this country. Right. Well, because the, the initial process allows, it, it's, it is that, that open door, essentially, that, and they know this. There's not going to be a follow-up because there's, we don't have the resources for the follow-up. You're not going to track people down when, you know, because they're not going to get what they, what they want. They're not going to get asylum. Most of them aren't. That doesn't matter. We just get them through, and then and then we get to a point where everybody's overrun and overwhelmed. We finally say, "Okay, we'll enforce the border. We just we're going to do uh, we're, we're going to make sure uh, we have amnesty for everybody that's already here." This is insanity. But and, we, it, and it's calculated. It is calculated. This is no, what, no. This is planned. This is what the people of the United States voted for in 2020. Yep. So uh, if you the counties in New York that are complaining about it, uh, in Illinois that are complaining about it, mm-hmm. this is what you voted for. Yep. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harding. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. So the bad polling numbers, I mean, the real bad polling numbers uh, for the, the president, especially when you dig into them, Title 42, the arguing now that you have even in blue states about who should accept the migrants that's uh, going on. You've got the Comer press conference coming up tomorrow where he said he's going to lay out the enterprise of the Biden family enriching uh, itself from foreign companies related to foreign intelligence agencies and foreign countries, uh, some of those countries, enemies of the United States. He said he'll lay that out tomorrow. That's not good. You have the lawyers from uh, from a, the IRS whistleblower reportedly met with congressional investigators on the Hunter Biden tax probe to preview, uh, preview information the whistleblower will share with Congress and, you know, all these things coming out and already the president and the Democrats backing off from the president. And when I saw Donna Brazile on the one of the Sunday morning news shows, when she came out and said, well, the problem is, uh, the, the, you know, we're not able to communicate the great successes of the president. <laughs> and it's like, well, as long as you're thinking that, you're dead. Yes. Yeah. You're in complete you're, denial. Yeah. You're in debt. You're dead yeah. in the water. If that's yeah. the only thing that you have left, you're dead. Yeah.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome. Thank you for uh, being here. So yeah, everything that you line up this week, I mean, with uh, the, the president's polling numbers and uh, then uh, inflation. Yeah. And, and the polling numbers, by the way, especially when you look at young people, right. young people under uh, 30, it's it's like uh, it's 30% approval rating. Yeah. It's unbelievably yeah. low. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, blacks like 51%. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are numbers like you've never seen uh before in a in 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 a democrat uh president and nothing's getting better yeah because the title 42 expiration coming up is going to be a mess at the border it's going to be a mess in the major cities it's going to be uh this is going to be something that may be out of control for the next year yeah i mean throughout the summer it will be and then it may die out during the winter time but next summer the same thing's going to happen again Mm -hmm. and so you've got that and then everything else uh, you have this story here. The lawyers for an IRS whistleblower reportedly met with congressional investigators on the Hunter Biden tax probe to preview information the whistleblower will share with Congress. Last month, the IRS whistleblower alleged political interference at the Justice Department in its probe of Hunter Biden, who was investigate uh, under investigation by the DOJ for tax fraud, money laundering, and violation of lobbying laws. Prosecutor David Weiss, for months has been weighing if there is sufficient evidence for the grand jury to indict him on the four reported charges. The case appeared to quietly stall until an IRS whistleblower alleged the improper politicalization of the tax probe into the president's son. Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, who appointed Weiss, dismissed those claims last week, even as he refuses to appoint a special counsel to place a degree of separation between the probe and President Biden, shortly after the IRS whistleblower came forward, Ways and Means Committee authorized two lawyers for the IRS whistleblower to collect information about what their client witnessed at the IRS regarding the Hunter Biden tax probe. On Friday, the lawyers for the whistleblower met with Senate Finance Committee and the House and Ways and Means Committee to disclose information the IRS could prov- or the IRS agent could provide. To congressional investigator CNN reported, this step in the process is reportedly a typical procedure in situations involving sensitive tax information. The process is proceeding on a bipartisan basis with ranking uh, member and uh, the minority ranking uh, member uh, both involved in it. <clears throat> now, the IRS whistleblower apparently has uh, said that this thing has been stalled out on purpose and that Merrick Garland has lied, uh, you know, to the, uh, you know, to the to to Congress, right? Where he says that uh, you know David Weiss is free to do whatever he wishes to do, and nothing is stalling this. He said that's he lied to Congress. So I mean that you know that's huge. And then we've got James Comer, who on Wednesday, man, I mean Wednesday you have that, and then Trump has these 
<laughs> Trump has the CNN town hall that night, doesn't he? Oh, that's right. Why was I thinking that was Thursday night? Yeah, Wednesday. Wow. So the Thursday show is going to be so awesome. Oh, oh, well, every every day is insane. We we it really we may have to do a yeah. ten hour show that morning. <laughs> every day is just pure insanity. Uh, but uh, the uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what uh, information James Comer gives out. I don't expect anything from the whistleblower at this point, mm. but I do believe he's going to lay out with the banking records that they have the the probably the uh, the the different um the 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 different countries the different countries or excuse me the, the different companies the different intelligence agencies that they were close to mm. of foreign countries of the oligarchs and where the money went to uh because if they have maybe not all the banking records, but dozens and dozens of banking records. And we know the amount of kind of money that went through uh, to the Biden family and to Biden, uh, you know, uh, think tanks and things like that. Mm -hmm. If he can lay it out in a, uh, oh, what do you call it? A um, flow chart. Yeah. Right. You know, like they do with the mob. <laughs> oh. You know, that's, but that, I I believe that's probably what he is going Yeah. To yeah. show right. now, the fact is he's making he's telling the Department of Justice, "Don't you dare indict until we have this press conference." Which means, to me, at least in my opinion, he's got to not just portray that there was a money flow, but show some type of probable cause for illegal things being done. Yeah, by the Biden family and uh, and by Hunter Biden, by the Biden family, and possibly. Uh, Joe Biden, but I don't believe the whistleblower information will be coming forward. I could be wrong on that. You never know. Hmm. But I don't think because that whistleblower was behind the IRS whistleblower, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it was so after, yeah. So I don't expect that you're going to learn anything yet because I, you, there is a great chance that that whole process of the whistleblower has not been completed. Well, yeah, I would assume just the way that how slowly government processes work uh that it uh that it will not be wednesday that we're not going to learn a lot about that but hmm. i guess it makes me more curious because i believe that it makes me more curious as to what we will see what i don't want it to be i i, I don't think anybody wants it to be this that it that you set something up that you know on wednesday there's the setup I don't want to. I don't want to see another, you know, situation with a, a, you know, a Rudy Giuliani situation stepping up to the podium saying, "Well, we're going to prove this," and then all of a sudden it just implodes. I if if and I don't believe that's where this is going. So it makes me wonder the purpose of of Wednesday, and it could be a very good purpose. We're doing it on Wednesday. I mean, I think this needs to be, whatever the situation is, it needs to be expedited. We need to know right now, right now, if this president is compromised and if there is a quid pro quo. If that is the case and there is proof of that, then everybody, every citizen deserves 
to know it. Yeah, we may not find that out Wednesday no, we're because not. the we're whistleblower is We're not, but right. my, I guess my point is is that if Comer is, you know, speeding <clears throat> things up and wants to do whatever he's going to do on Wednesday at this press conference, uh, then, you know, that is a good purpose to make sure that this process is expedited to the point of that happening and then whatever that's going to be and then uh, the whistleblower uh that process getting to the point that the American people can see um, and learn whether that document exists or not and what that document proves. Well, and that's the other thing. The Department of Justice may not release it. I, I'm assuming, and, and because given the uh, history and, and the behavior of Mayor Garland, I, I don't have confidence that they will release it. It's not a classified document, but they can, again, it doesn't mean that we're going to see it. I mean, we haven't seen it yet. What do we have? We basically have Comer and Grassley. Uh, I can't remember what words Grassley said, but they're saying, they're they're, they're implying it exists. They're saying they know, at least Comer's saying he knows that it exists. We don't know how he knows. And Comer says he knows the he knows the quid pro quo mm. mm-hmm. uh yeah. he he knows he knows the money transfer right uh and he knows what was uh what policy was either changed or guaranteed right. in return for that money right now he says he knows what it is and what country it is and what the policy favor was well, that's huge. No, no, it is. Now, I, and again, I don't know if we're going to see that. I doubt we would based on the timeline of when it was the whistleblower was announced. But I do believe because most people haven't paid a lot of attention to it. You haven't had right, 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 where, for right, example, right. you sit up there and somebody does a press conference and then says, here it is, and then has slides. Here's the flow of money from China. Here's how it went to Jim Biden. Here's how it went to Joe. You know, we believe this part went to Joe Biden. Here's what went to Hunter Biden. Here Mm -hmm. went, and then you have the tentacles like an octopus going to nine or maybe 12 family members. Then the whole enterprise is to enrich the entire family. And you, that's a tough thing to ignore. Right. With then the promise that we're going to let you know after the whistleblower. But remember, Comer said the other day, I can't do it by law yet. Yeah. He's not allowed right. to because at that point he got he got it from the whistleblower and the whistleblower isn't officially in the whistleblower program or protocol, whatever it and, is. And maybe that's what, you know, that's what he's waiting on. I, I don't know what the law allows, but it, it, my question would be, is it well, possible that that once that is officially filed that he doesn't have to wait for the entire process comer doesn't have to wait for the process to play out he just has to wait for that filing to okay take so place. what you're saying is if if the fbi gives him the statement mm-hmm. or the that whatever that article is right and it's unclassified right. comer can on wednesday come out and say Biden took money from this country, and this was the political favor that he did. You could get that if it's turned over by Wednesday. If it's unclassified, if it's unclassified, can, then there's he, there's no reason he, we should. He can he can, he yeah. can throw that out. But I, I and I think that's it. I, I think that's a possibility. Yeah. I did, if now, now that I thought about it a second time, yeah. and it would make sense that once the whistleblower is officially in the system as a whistleblower, I mean that you know it is uh, he or she or whoever they are. 
they are in officially in uh, they are, they have filed everything, whatever the process is. Then at that point, Comer can because if that if he's waiting on that to happen, he doesn't need to wait for the entire process to play out because the the document is not classified. Right, so he doesn't have to wait for the whistleblower process if the FBI turns over the document to him. He just needs to it's wait. Un- he just needs to wait for it to officially begin. You see what I'm saying? No, he doesn't. No, no, no. I'm talking about if that whistleblower is, if he's officially in the system as a whistle whistleblower, it may be that at that point he can talk about anything. Right, but if he the, may be no, waiting till right. Wednesday for but, that. But if the whistleblower is not fully through the system yet, but the FBI gives Comer the document, oh, no, that's no, no, the yeah. FBI handing. Yeah. Then, then he can if, say whatever he wants if, about the if, document. If the FBI right. responds and gives him the document, yeah. Did he get any indication that that was going to happen, I wonder? Well, that's what the request is for yeah. Wednesday. Right, They're having a meeting, and right. that's what he said all along, mm-hmm. and he expects it to be handed over if they hand it over. And I'm under, or, <laughs> I'm under no delusion that they will hand it over. Well, see, I'm not either. But but, <laughs> but it works in both. It works in. Uh, I mean, the, ultimately, we would want that document handed over, and I know Comer does. But if they don't hand it over in the meeting, then at the press conference, you can also have that press conference to say the FBI needs to hand it over, and today they did not, they refused to do that. Which you can then say they're part of the cover-up, and the whistleblower will let you know, because otherwise it's unclassified. There's no reason for them not to allow this uh, to to be out there. And so we're going to expedite this whistleblower through the process, so the whistleblower can uh, then uh, tell you what the Department of Justice and the FBI is covering up. I mean, at that point, so, how can't you? Uh, we're, if that isn't enough pressure to get a special counsel for the Department right? of Justice, what no, is? No, seriously. It could be that Wednesday, May 10th, 2023, is a historic day. Or it may mean nothing. 86690 Red Eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. At the core of compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA, is FMCSA's Safety Measurement System, or SMS. The SMS uses seven safety improvement categories called BASICs to examine a carrier's on-road performance and potential crash risk. The categories of BASICs are unsafe driving, hours of service compliance, driver fitness, controlled substances and alcohol, vehicle maintenance, hazardous materials compliance, and crash indicator. Under FMCSA's old measurement system, carrier performance was assessed in only four broad categories. Violations or crashes that have occurred within the previous 24 months of performance data are included in CSA calculations, but more recent events are weighted more heavily than older events. Violations or crashes that have happened within the past six months are weighted 33% more than events that occurred 6 to 12 months ago. And violations that are older than a year are weighted 66% less than recent violations. This allows a carrier to improve their CSA score gradually as they see fewer and fewer violations. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. 
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Let's go to Paul in Idaho about Comer's press conference coming up on Wednesday. Paul, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Hi. Welcome. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. He mentioned this about three weeks ago and said it would be coming up. So I've been waiting with bated breath. But he, uh, I think he's going to lay out some things that they can't deny and they can't wiggle out of. I think the, the Democrats are famous for wiggling out of just about everything. And it gives them the appearance of being above the law when they do that. And I think in the long run, when this whole thing is said and done, the problems that we're having with the president and being dishonest and his son as well and the rest of the crime family, I think what's going to happen is people are going to, they're going to turn over a new lead to the Republican Party. That's, that's my that's my wish. I on my wish list, mm-hmm. I guess would be the way to say it. Okay, well, I will. Um, I will say this where I, where I, I completely and totally agree with you is the fact that uh, I think that Comer is going to present the banking records. Thanks, so you, Paul. yeah, so you really can't debate that. It's right. the banking yeah. reg- records that come from the Treasury Department, right. and that's what the indication is. And I think that's where he wishes to show because. Most of the media has not covered the Joe Biden part of it. People know it, but they don't know the specifics, and that's where you lay it out. And if you lay it out that it just wasn't Hunter Biden, but I, and I don't know whether tomorrow he's going to lay out the nine or the 12. Remember, it's up to 12 Biden family members where he says cash has gone to. Yeah. Well, you lay that all out in a flow sheet that looks like an octopus that all comes from Hunter Biden to everybody in the family, and I don't know. Does he include Joe in there? Does he, do they do they have do they have that yet? Mm. But you have at least told my members of the Biden family at that particular point. It becomes, and especially with the whistleblower, uh, you know, stating that Biden has, you know, he's got the evidence. Biden's taking a bribe, and Comer talking about that. You've almost connected all the dots. And you've had an official press conference on it. It's the Republicans at that point saying the influence peddling rose to the level of bribery. That's yeah, that right. is what I believe. Now, you may not have all the evidence because some of that's the whistleblower, but you will have it if the FBI turns over that document and the document says that. Yeah. At yeah, that point. Right. If that happened, I don't see how the Biden presidency, how that isn't the beginning of the end. Well, that's if, that's it. If that document comes out and it verifies that Biden traded a policy favor for cash, and that's what oh. we're being told is there. Yeah, right. I don't see how it's not the beginning of the end of the Biden presidency. Right. I'm with you on that.
only two hosts in America that know specifically which room the elephant is in. Red Eye Radio. Now, these days, it's the Blue Whale Pod actually in that room, the living room. It All is. right. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Let's go to Tom in uh, Boston uh, about the Biden situation and uh, the Comer press conference tomorrow. Hi, Tom. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome. Hi. Yeah, I'm not I'm not crazy about Biden at all. I never really liked him. But if he gets, uh, if this is bribery, so that's the uh, impeachable offense, I think, from China, all the money he got. But tell me now, wouldn't all these people that have been protecting Joe Biden, wouldn't that be a conspiracy to obstruct justice? And wouldn't they go away, too? I mean, the Attorney General and all these other people, a lot of Democrats. Well, if, if, if he, uh, I, I will tell you, again, I can only go up with the information that I have and not mm. the information that I don't have. If, if it's true from the whistleblower that the Attorney General lied to Congress uh, about the, 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 the process of what's going on, it's uh, it's really interesting because if you're lying to Congress, is that actually obstruction of justice from an attorney from an attorney general to hide what's uh, what's what's going on? An attorney general can be charged with obstruction of justice, but I mean, but you, because of the position that you're in, I it pro- most likely would be you lied to Congress um, as to protecting. It all depends on what you did to cover for Biden. But I will say this: tomorrow after the all depending on what happens. And Eric and I were having this discussion. Thanks so much for your call. We're having this discussion. If they don't release the document, because we were saying, we were having this discussion, is it positive for Comer no matter what? Is just holding the press conference going to benefit the Republicans? Yeah, of course it is in this particular situation, because nobody from the Democratic side, there's not going to be a Democratic response to Comer. Yeah. If the Democratic response to Comer is, uh, well, here's the Democratic response. Trump is bad. That doesn't cut it because the allegation is bribery now against the president. Whether you like it or not, that's the allegation from the. You can say Republicans, but it actually comes from the whistleblower. But from the whistleblower, it said Biden took a bribe. He did a political favor for he took money from a foreign national and did a political favor. And that's, I think, almost precisely what was said. I don't even think I'm paraphrasing there. I think I'm almost close to a quote. And then you would assume that the foreign national was representing a foreign government, and therefore you were doing that political favor for a foreign government. Uh, for uh, We'll see. We, all, we know that whether it's Watergate, the cover-up is what did everybody in. The cover-up always does a ton of people in. Yeah. yeah. And and so you've got so many tentacles on this. You know, you, th- you think about everything. <laughs> Eric, just think about how widespread this is because it goes from, okay, uh, the uh, uh, Attorney General lied to Congress that they are trying to stop this from really going forward. They have been stalling on this. They don't really want to do it. There is pressure. Uh, that David Weiss actually does not have the uh, the uh, authority to investigate whatever th- they want. I mean, that's basically what the whistleblower is saying at, at that point. But then 
you go to the point of even his secretary of state now uh, is uh, accused of of uh, also lying. His yeah. secretary yeah. of state is uh, is accused of setting up of 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 being the what was the word actually used the impetus, right? Yeah. For the for the letter, and now we know from the email with Mike Morrell that it was actually done in part the reason to give Biden a talking point against Trump in the debate because they knew that Trump would come up and say the Hunter Biden laptop story. And you remember in that debate was when Biden almost screamed, 51 intelligence agents say it's Russian disinformation. This is completely false. So he used it in that debate. Right. So, I mean, you look at it across the board. I mean, it's... And you and I have always asked the question, is it a conspiracy or is it a culture? And we've come to the conclusion that a culture is probably worse because you can't trace a culture. There is no conspiracy in a culture. I mean, there may be an unsaid conspiracy, but in order to get to conspiracy, somebody has to say or do something to communicate with the other person. Right. If they all yeah. are just on the same wavelength where law doesn't matter to us, there still may be criminal charges, but it's tough to to find a conspiracy if there's no communication because it's just part of the culture of what we've all accepted. Trump is bad, therefore anything goes, and that's the culture that we're about. Yeah, and and that's you know that's really where we're at. You know, um, in a situation like this, here's the thing: if this were a classified document, that would obviously make all the difference in the world. Because you could, you would already have a, uh, I'm sure, a no response from uh, the uh, DOJ, and uh, and that would go all the way through the ranks. Uh, we're got to protect sources, blah 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 blah. But it's not a classified document. I it, it, in my head, I still, I'm now I'm hearing it in Obama's voice. Never underestimate the ability of. Joe Biden to f things up in 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 that look he's not great at planning things and doing things and so if you apply that to a possible situation uh, a situation that is quite possibly the biggest presidential uh, scandal in American history I mean that's how big this is I don't I don't know if it is true or not but it, if it is true it is that big then. I don't, you know. Again, it's it it would it it's right out of the playbook of of someone as arrogant as Joe Biden thinking he could get away with it because they oh, when they do things like when people do things like this they do believe they're going to get away with it. So I look at this and say to myself, my gosh, it's wide open. Comer, if he's saying these things, better have the goods. Well, wait a minute. Does he has he already told us what the goods are? This just popped into my mind. Gosh, there's so many different aspects of it that all of a sudden I just had this thought. I go, duh, that was right in front of you. And Comer said it. It's like sometimes something's sitting right in front of you and you and you miss it. Comer said we're going to explain all the LLCs. Yeah. That here yeah. they are. They're setting up different corporations so they can hide who the money goes to individually in the family. Think about that. That will be huge. Oh, my gosh. Because I mean, the, that in itself, forget about everything else. Oh, man. But but we set up, because that shows, okay, that shows 
a, in essence, a, a specific effort and a conspiracy. A sophisticated Sophisticated, effort. right, to going through several steps and who knows how many laws you would, I don't know about, uh, you know, like uh, banking laws, wiring law, uh, 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 wire fraud or whatever. Wire fraud, yeah, I you mean, don't there know. could be right. a number of things right. that apply. And also setting up an LLC, I, there could be laws that apply there that you, you break if you're setting up an LLC as a front and it's not a business for any other purpose. I, I don't know if that would, I, I don't know if there are any laws there, but, but the point is, is that it's, that would be so sophisticated. They would have gone to that extent to hide who's to getting hide the money, who's getting the, the money, money, right? That it would be, again, the bigger, uh, the, 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 the situation is the harder it falls and it would just be a monster of an implosion. Right. And so, but if you set up, you know, if it's, you know, and I'm throwing this out because he said LLCs, if there's 12 Biden family members that got money from Hunter Biden and there's 12 LLCs to hide who they are or more than that, if there's multiple LLCs, which is meant to keep the money hidden, there could also be at that particular point, you know, the, the, the fact is you're getting that money. Did you report it on your taxes? Yeah, right. You have to if it's basically coming to you. Right. But if it's going to an LLC, is that the way to hide the money? But the, the whole reason you have the LLCs is you want to hide, keep quiet who this money is actually going to, your whole your whole reason for doing it, and that's what Comer said, is to hide the money. So that's that's may maybe where we go. It may go no further than that. Hmm. You know, and the banking records show this, and the banking records show this. But when you can come out, if I think that if the if the pin falls, because look, we've looked at this from the very beginning. There's no reason why the Biden family got hundreds of millions of dollars, right? You know, and if you talk about, and I mean, tens of millions to the family, right? But hundreds of millions to the the different think tanks, foundations, whatever, from anonymous donations. There's no what did the Biden family had to offer? They're in no business. As Comer has said, and everybody knows it, and everybody knows at that point there's influence peddling. If this, whatever this document is, shows that Biden did this, that he actually took a bribe, he gave a, there was a, uh, I almost said pay per view, <laughs> pay for play, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and he did a political favor for a different country, for an, uh, a foreign country and paid money to a foreign national to get that done, that's bribe number one. That that At that point, the investigation really starts, what did he do for all the other money? Because you've just set, you've set the table that he's willing to do this for a bribe. Well, did the others were just countries were, well, we like Biden, so we're just going to give money for nothing. At that point, that sets the investigation into hyperdrive. Okay, if if he took a bribe here, then he probably took bribes for all the other money that went through. Yeah. And that's what yeah. you start investigating at that point. But you start it with all the LLCs and you say, this is, this is, look at this enterprise here to hide everybody in the Biden family who would receive money. And it's up to 12 now, they've said. Right. And so they're forming LLCs for everybody to do what? Why are you forming the LLC? Are you, are you, in a, are you doing it for, because you're in a company? You're producing a product, and so you wish to incorporate, or is the only reason you're doing that to hide the actual beneficiaries 
of that of the cash. There was media coverage uh, about the time it was. It would have been. I think it was around 2008 during the 2008 Obama campaign. After obviously after uh, the convention, because Joe Biden was then on the ticket, and there was this um, media coverage. And the tone in that media coverage, in fact, a couple of the stories that were done on Joe Biden, on profiling Joe Biden. He's not a wealthy member of the Senate. In fact, he's one of the poorest members in terms of his personal wealth in the Senate. That he didn't acquire a lot of wealth. His life has been about public service all these years, right? And they talked about his net worth, and I thought... Hmm. Are they going to do that story again in 2024? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because we can at least say that uh, we know that uh, his his son, Bo, uh, was about public service, but his son, Hunter, was about public nuisance. Well, you saw the other thing that the, the New York Post story, that Devin Archer, who's appealing... You know, uh, his case, if he loses, he, as I said, people around him are telling him to flip. Yeah. Because the Biden Biden administration, the Bidens have thrown you under the bus. Oh, they'll, they'll throw everybody and, under the bus. And, and it's like, well, I'll get to that story coming up in the New yeah. York Post, but that's really interesting coming up. Uh, well, no, he, he was, he was a, a business point. partner for, what, four or five years? Yeah, yeah. And really involved in everything. We'll get to that yeah. coming up. Yeah. eight six six ninety red eye Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. The thing that you brought up earlier when you you talked about, uh, uh, you know, whether the Department of Justice and the FBI will turn over this document to uh, to James Comer uh, for yeah. his press conference tomorrow. Either way, and you made the point, you know, either way he wins. Yeah. Because if the Department of Justice says, no, we're not going to turn this over to you, uh, this, um, you know, this uh, this document... Uh, because it's part of the investigation, even though it's uh, not classified. Mm-hmm. Well, then at that particular point, you're waiting for the whistleblower to fit the process, because if they're saying this is part of the investigation, you want to find out from the whistleblower whether the Department of Justice now realized that, you know, they got caught. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did get caught, you know, that, you know, okay, we really weren't investigating it, because that, that might make the whistleblowers testimony even more powerful yeah well they wouldn't yeah. give the doc that document's been sitting there and they knew it was there we don't know how much this whistleblower knows we don't know who this whistleblower is remember i said maybe it's david weiss <laughs> <laughs> i mean it i mean the, the the um the possibilities just to consider them are uh mind-boggling and it is. and there's no doubt i'll say this Sleep on Wednesday is going to be evasive, (laughs) to say the least.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. <laughs> 